Welcome to Roll Calling, a podcast about actors we love and the movies we love them in. I'm Ned Baker, a filmmaker and a vulgarian. And I'm Caroline Sita, and don't ever call me stupid. The way this podcast works is that Caroline and I take turns curating a five-film miniseries starring an actor we love. And we are in episode two of our Jamie Lee Curtis cycle, which has been a blast. And today, I am extremely delighted to welcome a guest and what's more, an old friend, a dear friend, actor, photographer, vintage reseller, and co-host of the podcast, I Have a Question with Rachel and Walls. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce Walls Trimble. Hi. Welcome, Walls. Hi, Hi Walls. Oh, this is so nice to be here with you two. Yeah. We're so excited to have you. You were influential, I will say, in us starting this podcast because your wonderful podcast, I Have a Question. You got you and um, our other friend Rachel started that in quarantine. It was awesome. I was like, I've always wanted to start a podcast. If Walls can do it, I can do it. <laughs> you kindly advised me on some technical things. And now we're just so thrilled to have you with us. Oh my gosh. Having you back here, I think, as we're discussing how we do everything, it's we're now we're stumbling upon the fact that all of it is because it was things that you recommended. Us <laughs> to do. Well, listen, so, anyone can start a podcast. I went from no knowledge and no nothing to a week later having a mic and an episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, anything's possible with quick shipping. That was quarantine, baby. That was that was <laughs> part of it. Was Honeyville Vintage also? A quarantine project or were you leading up to it oh no that was also like uh i went thrifting Uh, another friend her handle is finally found vintage she did it for maybe two months and i called her and i was like i think maybe that's be that would be something i'd be interested in there's a lot of thrift shops down here and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And my mom was like, what's all that grandma stuff on the dining table? <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to sell it. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but now I would say that she's my biggest supporter. And yeah. like now she thrifts too. And she, ah. my, mom, my mom definitely got me into thrifting and especially consignment clothes specifically mm-hmm. growing up like – I was like, why would you pay full price for a brand new thing when you could do this for so much less and game. get amazing quality? Yeah. So it was also kind of overnight. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, listen, you never know what a pandemic is going to bring you. And I, I sound, I think, a little uh, glib maybe right now, <laughs> but I, I am very grateful that like the surprises that it brought me were, you know, these nice creative experiences and not anything serious yeah yeah Yeah, if you're on instagram uh, go check out honey bell vintage it is just dripping with gorgeous little pieces (laughs) of things this i don't uh, i hope you i hope this isn't offensive to you walls every like two days emily will come in with a phone and be like can we get these and i am like no we can't (laughs) so that's I am it, so the... offended. I am leaving I know, right now. I'm know, gonna I'm... go call Emily, and I'm gonna tell her to ask me next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liberate yourself from this dude's terrible <laughs> refusal to buy amazing green wine glasses. Oh man, they're all so good. It's our glassware walls. It's it's full. We don't need any more. It's only two of us. But God, there is some extremely beautiful stuff on there. So thank you. Um, 
don't be a chump like me. Go on and acquire yourself some goods. Well, and the other thing is, like, if the influence that I have is just to get you to consider secondhand stuff, like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. You don't have to buy from me. You should buy from whoever you want. But you should, like, absolutely stick your nose in all of these goodies that have like some of them have are a hundred years old like they've made it through so many grandparents and now they could be yours i like that so when we're not talking about vintage resale goods i was wondering if there was some transition from like vintage to stealing diamonds but i couldn't quite make it in my head oh wait no i have one i have one hit us okay so wait did you already say what what movie we're doing yet nope you could you could tee it up okay so if your interest is piqued on cut crystal champagne coupes, perhaps you'd like to cheers with the one, the only, Mr. John Cleese, who plays Archie in this wonderful film, A Fish Called Wanda. She came Woo! prepared. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. She came prepared, folks. More prepared than Ned and I are, clearly. <laughs> So the scene I'm referencing is when he's going to get drinks in the study and his oh. wife comes in, but Otto's there. And- Champagne? Ah! Uh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a lot of bits. Hopefully we can uh, all the bits. We can bring up all of our favorite bits. Before we jump into that movie in particular, can I just ask Walls, do you have any particular Jamie Lee Curtis relationship you want to kind of introduce to us? Freaky Friday. Uh-huh. Which may I feel have like been that might mentioned. be a theme for a lot of people our age, that that was a real entry point for, for our generation. Listen, Lindsay Lohan was in her prime. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jamie Lee had done Activia yet. It might have been simultaneous. Wow, I forgot about that. How could that have flown my mind? <laughs> what is that? The choose what? the spoke for Activia. What is it? Yogurt, Activia yogurt. Is that, that's, yeah. is that the idea? It, it helps you go. It helps yeah. you stay regular. Wow, Walt, oh. that's such a good poll. Oh, it I helps you go. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's something we haven't... We've talked about movies. We talked about personal life. We talked about press junkets. But we've not really talked about endorsements or... Yeah, brands. Commercials. Like faces. Okay. Faces for, for, for any of our actors. So she was a she was the, the face of Activia. Wow. Yeah, for like a decade. For years. That was like for a while. You're so right that before she kind of got back on the like... I'm doing more Halloween movies and I'm in Knives Out. That was kind of like her defining project for a while. Yes. Okay. And so I had this realization last night when I was researching her and I was like, mm-hmm. holy tamale, her parents were so famous. Like yeah. I, I, I had learned that at some point and it left my mind as quickly as it entered. Mm-hmm. And seeing that again now when I have a little more context, I was like, that's nuts. Okay, interesting that she did Freaky Friday, but Lindsay Lohan was so big, and that script is so tight. Like, that is a genuinely funny movie, and Jamie does beautiful work in it. So I was like, okay, that's a reason to take it. What about Activia? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Where does that fit in? Was that so much money? Was that, like, she turned 40 and was a female human being Mm -hmm. in movies and they all said fuck you like Mm. what was that and so that was how i knew her and then incredibly the first time i saw this movie was with caroline in our Mm -hmm. old apartment in chicago before we recorded roommates oh yeah we used to be for context all right (laughs) we should have listed that as one of your credits (laughs) 
actor, photographer, vintage reseller, co-host of the podcast, I Have a Question with Rachel and Walls, former roommate to Caroline, former uh, Greek life pledge wife to me. Yeah, formerly <laughs> married to Ned Baker. Okay, but I stepped on your reveal as to why we were watching this, why we watched this movie together before. Because this is not our first time recording a podcast episode specifically about a fish called Wanda. Yeah. I had actually almost like fully (laughs) forgotten this happened until you texted me about it. Guys, I didn't know that. So in 2014, we went on my improv teacher, Jeff Griggs's podcast, which like 2014, no one had a podcast, but you better believe early adopter Jeff Griggs did. Huh. And it's called the Thursday Evening Movie Club, and they were going through the whole British Film Institute list of best movies. Wow. So this was the first time that I saw Jamie Lee Curtis, like, get sexy, and it Mm -hmm. kind of freaked me out, because she's obviously not that way in Freaky Friday, and she's definitely not that way in Activia commercials. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually, like, completely know what you mean. I think it's interesting to think about when you sort of like meet a certain actor in their career path and how that will sort of define Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. for you, even as they go on to grow and change. Like I think of people like, I don't know, like a Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like in my mind, Mm -hmm. even when Jake Gyllenhaal is an old man, he's always going to be like this young hunky guy, right? That that Mm -hmm. was how I was first introduced to him as. And I think with Jamie, I had the opposite where I sort of first met her as we talked about last week, in sort of this mom comedy mode. Mm-hmm. And then to, to, to some degree, like going back and watching her earlier work, if that's how you first met her, does feel a little bit like finding old photographs of your parents and being like, oh, they were they were young oh, people with their own mom. complicated lives. And like, mom, you drank processing so much. You wore those kind of pants? Like what, mom? It's, yeah, I do, I do see that like we sort of, specifically she was introduced to us in this very maternal setting so it's really Mm -hmm. that's a really on the nose comparison caroline yeah and my mom also had this haircut that jamie lee curtis rocks both in a fish called wanda and also Mm. i feel like has just rocked for For the vast majority yeah i like Mm. no one has that my mom has not committed to this haircut as long as jamie lee curtis has but in my childhood my mom had this haircut so that's also sort of yeah i think contributing to the mom connection i feel with with jlc I'm not going to put a picture of my mom on any of our social media because that would be weird. But just take my word on it. She gets, she got, particularly in the 90s and thousands, she got Jamie Lee Curtis comparisons a lot. She also Mm. had the same hair, kind of a similar face. Yeah. Wow. Well, I had the same experience with Kevin Klein in this movie too. Mm -hmm. Where like, I just, you know, I don't even know what I had seen him in as a kid, but I loved him. And I was like- Wild West maybe. (laughs) Sure. I haven't actually seen that. Okay, well, something else then. But to see, like, his character Otto in this movie is so over the top, so extreme, and it's all about physicality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I think of him as sort of like a quieter dad who could, like, maybe read me poetry mm-hmm. and, like, get a wink in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild watching this movie to remember that he does quiet, thoughtful things. It's just so the image in this movie of him like kind of like jumping and doing like a midair yes, little like yes, move to, yes. to to pound his fist on the car. It's like it is it is crazy to think like he sometimes just has a a gentle soul and is a nice guy. Yeah. Can I say 
I, particularly on this viewing, I found Kevin Klein so hot in this movie. Oh, he's so hot. <laughs> and it's, a, it's yeah. a difficult thing to process because his character is both very over the top and also at times very cruel. But I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, Kevin and Jamie in this movie are both, like, peak attractiveness. You totally Insanely get why hot. they are a couple, even if they are they are so different as characters. Yeah. You're like, yeah, they would want to bang. Like, they are two very hot people. Yeah, you just, yeah, you just buy the magnetically attached onto each other right well especially as we learn jamie lee's character her achilles heel if you will (laughs) is men speaking foreign languages to her she is so funny that one scene where john cleese is doing the russian speech john cleese is in incredible shape yeah he is i was surprised too he does like a ballet pose at one point oh my god (laughs) but that scene where she she is like writhing on the ground while he's doing the Russian speech. It's so yeah. freaking funny. Yeah, like, she's like gyrating on this rope. To that, and just the thought to do that. Like, <laughs> the commitment. All of them with props. It made me think about the episode where you talk about Christian Bale with props. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I was like, give Kevin Klein a prop. Oh my God. Yeah. If at the very least, give him a gun he can like whip out at any point or. Just have him give him a katana in one scene for no particular reason. He's just doing poses in front of himself. But I, I don't want to move on from that that Jamie Lee Curtis like basically fucking getting wet to to John Cleese's <laughs> Russian. Like literally that her putting her fingers in her mouth and like yeah. drool coming. I was like, I'm shocked. I'd seen this movie once before, but I was I was like shocked at how I don't know borderline graphic that scene yes. is. Yes. So that was me. In the apartment with Caroline in 2014 going, whoa, like, no yogurt is this good. (laughs) (laughs) We're a far away from Activia. Yeah, no, I was genuinely, also because it's a British film, Mm -hmm. I think I like, I really wasn't ready for it. Thought it would be more reserved. It is one of those things, you know, like I, I, Walls and I were also in the same acting class in college. So like I had my time doing little bits of acting, even if I never wanted to be an actor. But there is a certain level of just, you just have to be so willing to embarrass yourself and fully commit to doing ridiculous things. And I always just knew inside, I was like, I don't have the ability to get to that level. Like I can do certain things. Mm -hmm. I can do a Neil Simon comedy, but this level of like fully writhing on the floor and committing to this in front of, you know, I'm sure dozens of crew members and just like that, that is, you know, it takes special kinds of people to be actors. (laughs) And I don't, I genuinely don't think most people have that in them to just commit so hard to that. All four of the main actors in this definitely have at least one scene you could point to and be like, damn, you were you were willing to really go there and like potentially, you know, just like brave the embarrassment and, mm. and they all just create these like wonderful goofy ass. I mean, I think of like, we talked about John Cleese's like naked Russian dance. <laughs> Kevin Klein, or maybe his like, his the like extremely funny sex scene mm-hmm. when he orgasms and mm-hmm. makes these orgasm faces. Michael Palin is like, I mean, the whole he's kind of doing his own thing, but yeah, the entire movie, everything he does and, you know, getting the fries up his nose, that's definitely, oh, God. definitely very goofy. Should we do a little like plot recap for anyone who hasn't seen it in a while or hasn't? Yeah, sure. Can I, Walls, you want to try to give it a shot? I'm putting you on the spot as a oh, guest, man. but. So Jamie Lee Curtis, her character is Wanda. Okay, wait. The movie is called A Fish Called Wanda, Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. had this freak out in 2014, and every single time I watch it, 
I laugh out loud because basically the opening sequence of the movie is a little uh, like at home aquarium and there's a <laughs> fish swimming in it and the fish's name is Wanda. <laughs> so we're getting that literal about it, but we're also getting metaphorical with it because <laughs> Jamie Lee's character, Wanda, is dating a man. It's like, which spoiler do you give first? <laughs> um, dating a British man. George, is that his name? Mm-hmm. I think so. George okay. Thomason. Played, he's by, played, played Yeah. You say it, Ned. He's played by an actor whose name was Tom Georgeson. So. <laughs> Tom Georgeson is named George Thomas. That is legitimately one of the like top five best m- jokes in this movie, and it's not even a joke that's really in this movie unless you know Tom to look forward to the credits. Oh really goofy. So they are sort of heading up this big bank heist. Their co-conspirators are Michael Palin. What's his character name? Ken. Ken. And Are you Ken? Otto, played by Kevin Klein, who Wanda says is her American brother. Spoiler, <laughs> it's her lover. <laughs> because her secret other That's lover. what you always want to turn your lover into your brother. <laughs> so they uh, have she this- has yeah. The most incredible, the line, even if you're my brother, I'd still want to fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) This movie goes there. It goes so hard. For me, it's the part when you first meet them, you aren't quite sure. You just kind of take it at face value that they actually are brother and sister. But like one of the first things he does is just grab her boob. (laughs) Yeah. Which I find, I watched that like five times and I found it so funny every time because she, they're like kind of behind Ken's back. She kind of goes to swat him away because he's being annoying. And he does it with the energy of like swatting her back. But instead, he just like honks her boob, and I find it like the little physical comedy yes. gestures that Kevin Klein comes up with in this is like, how could any human being have thought to do that's, these things? That's what I'm saying. Like, this is honestly a masterclass in physical comedy. Totally, all the way through. So they they're doing a bank heist because that's like their line of work, and they they're gonna it's, this is gonna be the jackpot. It's gonna be twenty million dollars. So. They are doing this heist. They succeed in the heist. They've got a couple steps of like where to put the money, who's got the key, you know, sort of like safekeeping, (laughs) pun intended. Mm. And then Wanda and Otto are actually going to be turning on George. They call the cops. They turn him in so that they don't have to split the money with him. A running theme of the film. People desiring to backstab their friends in order to not have to split the loot. Yes, all the way up to the end. And so George is carted off to jail. And then the issue becomes... Basically, they don't know where these diamonds are. They all have like a little piece of the information. So they're sort of trying to get the information from each other. But also mm-hmm. not reveal to other people they, that they have the information. And you sort of have, I feel like Wanda becomes like the mastermind mm-hmm. of all of this. And a lot of the actual plot is her seducing the barrister, Archie Leach, played by John Cleese, who also wrote the movie. Who and that sort of. Representing George. Yes. And so yes. she's like, I have to seduce him so that I can get the information because George lied to us and the diamonds aren't where they were supposed to be. Yes. It's basically just a classic heist crime comedy, lots of twists and turns along the way yes definitely capers it's a, it's a caper <laughs> for sure yeah i mean they, yeah we could we could enumerate the like various uh the the various double crosses that go on all the way through they continue at a, a breakneck pace up to the 
final confrontation at the airport with a steamroller. Ned, had you seen this movie before? What yeah, was, what's I saw your experience it. with this movie? I saw it in probably high school and enjoyed myself, but as is often the case, I think with 80s comedies, as a high schooler, I was like only sort of prepped to receive some of it, and I found it funny, but I found it funnier this time. So yeah, this was this was a, a fresher viewing for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had the impression, I was like, I do like all these people. I, I especially like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein. For me, the like iconic Kevin Klein role would be as the Pirate King in Pirates of Penzance. Mm-hmm. The most Ned answer to a <laughs> question. <laughs> That's a very Ned answer. I'm going to try to find some way. No, there isn't really, because... Having done this now for Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't know if we'll ever do a Kevin Klein series. Kevin Klein series is the only way I can see for us to for for us to cover. Maybe I'll just like force it in as a bonus episode for us to do the Pirates of Penzance, the either the filmed stage production or the sort of low budget studio adaptation of that stage production. Both brilliant, both great. Have you all have you all never seen this? No. I've seen clips, oh. but I've never seen the whole thing. Yeah. But I feel like incredible. you also have to do Midsummer Night's Dream because he played mm-hmm. Bottom in that. And that was my intro. So I've to never Kevin seen that. Klein. We could definitely do a Kevin Klein series. I mean, I agree this is a big role for him, mm-hmm. but I think he has so many roles we could do one. Is he is it Jamie Lee Curtis and Dave as well? Or is it somebody else? The one where he's president? I don't think it is i do okay. know that movie though somebody somebody see different. who's in I, I all of up who's in dave anyway i was very excited to see the two of them um i also like oh, sigourney Python weaver and dave ah sigourney weaver who uh, does her... kind of have the same mm-hmm. a similar vibe i think and his friends they play rivals in you again sigourney mm. and jamie lee are sort of set up they're oh. also both sort of 80s yeah 80s action horror mm-hmm. you know, sigourney yeah. was in so, yeah, I guess there's some parallel careers there. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, I think that there would be a strong argument to keeping this movie for a Kevin Klein series because this is, he wins an Oscar for this. Like, this is certainly, I think, one of his best loved roles. But I, I think my biggest takeaway rewatching this movie today was that I'm really glad we're doing it for this Jamie Lee Curtis series because I actually feel like she's low key wonderful in this movie and is key to holding so much of it together and maybe gets a little bit underappreciated because the Klein performance is bigger. Mm-hmm. But I think this is such a fantastic performance from her. And I'm really excited to talk about this movie through that lens in particular. Yeah, this is a hard role. Like, mm-hmm. I I would not have known what to do when presented. Like, this would have been very challenging because she's double-crossing everyone but there is this line where like her relationship with Otto is so ridiculous and i think mm-hmm. like you said before that like it has to be about just like physical attraction only mm-hmm. because he is so dumb and yes. like so don't call me stupid so she has to like manage that but clearly her character like gets off on like mental machinations like Mm -hmm. creating a heist and finding things and like getting clues and like building a plan all of that is so stimulating for her so then you're like maybe she's actually into archie aka john cleese because like he can match her intellectually Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's like physically such a dope with his own (laughs) body and his own behavior that it's it's like 
I, like she's trying to like find this better fit the whole time. I feel like it is hard to read. Yeah, you're. I. I it is interesting. An interesting part of her character is how many times you are sort of left on unsure footing of like what her actual motivations and intentions are in terms of the double crosses mm-hmm. because your first impression is she's with this guy george or tom okay i now i'm screwed yeah up george you're, she's you're with this it. guy george and she's actually secretly got a thing going with otto and that's her real like romance mm-hmm. but then when they immediately go to do their double cross and take the jewels out of the vault she's he's like this has been amazing two weeks with you and she says you said it and she's like ready to hit him over the head with the blackjack so you like realize oh even this she's running her own game on this with archie the whole time she theoretically is pursuing this getting information about the jewels and even at the end she's about to run away with archie Mm -hmm. and then otto kind of half kidnaps her and she goes along with him for a while but then she double crosses him it is hard to read entirely what the relationship is with Archie in terms of it just being like she falls for him I do have a little bit of like oh you're telling me John Cleese wrote this movie what a surprise (laughs) so I have a little bit of like behind the scenes stuff that I didn't know until today I was researching this so as you mentioned John Cleese wrote this but in the original script it was meant to end with slightly more of an implication that that Wanda would then go on to double cross Archie Mm -hmm. The original ending was supposed to be this. It was them on the airplane, like going away to South America together. But then it was supposed to pan down and she was wearing these shoes that had a shark on them. With the implication being, you know, like, ooh, she's a little bit of a shark. She'll eventually, she'll double cross him. But in the test screenings, audiences, that was like the one thing they didn't like. They wanted it to feel like a more genuine romance. So they Mm -hmm. went and did a couple little reshoots here and there and then reshot the ending in particular to make it softer. Mm -hmm. And this was something that, it actually seems like Jamie Lee Curtis at the time didn't like it. And even now she was like, well, it's hard to criticize something that was successful. But it feels like maybe there's even a little bit of her that's like, I liked the more cynical mm-hmm. ending more than the sort of romanticized ending. But there was something about the romanticized ending that connected with audiences People, more. So they yeah. just went with that. I understand that. It does feel like it would be a little bit more in keeping with the character for her to have a plan for herself. I mean, yeah. I I can see her self-serving motivations running through this. I don't so much know where the like falling for the dopey barrister comes from, except except that it's like he scratches an itch and he speaks mm-hmm. Russian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think the reason it works is because she doesn't lean into the softer ending. Mm-hmm. Like Jamie Lee as the actor, I think is still leaning cynical and just letting what's on the page exist and so like i think the tension is still there at the end Mm -hmm. like i think my default would be to assume that yeah she's absolutely gonna double cross him yeah but the fact that i wonder just a little bit like but maybe she actually likes him while she's double crossing him or maybe it'll last two months instead of Mm -hmm. two weeks like the fact that there's that element of tension i think is part of why it's so successful because she she's not she's not leaning into what's on the page, but she's not like avoiding it either. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a really like weirdly lovely John Cleese performance. <laughs> I think oh, one yeah. thing I'm always struck by in this movie because he's such you know the Monty Python faulty towers rat race. So I'm just yeah rat race. I'm just so used to him in like ridiculous caricature mode, and it's always like a little bit surprising how earnest he is in this movie and how like Mm -hmm. wistful and melancholy and sad and it's like kind of for as goofy as this movie is see 
every scene. I mean, see literally Kevin Klein getting run over with a steamroller as if he is like Bugs Bunny or something. You know, like it gets that cartoony. But yeah. then the the Cleese performance is weirdly kind of grounded and lovely. And maybe that balances out a little bit as well, to why yeah. she likes him too. And I think it's also part of why at least for me as well, the first view, I think I appreciate this movie more each time I watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, because it is sort of playing with the genre a little bit. And it's certainly playing with my own expectations of like what the lead in a comedy should be like and act like and everything like. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like taking... John Cleese and really not giving him any of the jokes any yeah. of the punchlines like he's very much the straight man in this but he's even one step further because he's he's always behind all of them are always a step ahead of him because they're the ones making the plan yeah and so there is this like real vulnerability for his character that like a traditional straight man doesn't have because the straight man is equal partners with the punchline Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this case, like he has more power on paper, but way less power IRL. Yeah. And as much as on paper, I would sort of sort of scoff at the dopey middle aged guy in the end, like he gets the money and he gets the girl and like everything works out. It does work because, as you say, like he spends so much of the movie just getting like dumped on, tricked and like beat up by Kevin Klein and like getting the shit kicked out of him so- and running away saying like, please don't hurt me. Um, so that, and like doing his very like, uh, sort of classic British farce, like I'm in the door, I'm out the door, I've got champagne. This is not the person that was in here before. Now he's coming out from behind the closet. So that at the end, when all those threads just sort of naturally arrive at him getting divorced and losing his case, and then just sitting there and being like, you know what? I guess that's it. Oh, wait a minute. And he just suddenly realizes that he is in the position to actually make off with the money. Yeah. And it only happens sort of in the very final act. That's that's actually more satisfying because of his sort of being such a sort of such a butt of all the jokes the whole time. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yes. With Michael Caine and yes. Steve Martin. Yes. So that this whole I think it's a very similar movie to Fish Called Wanda, actually, in terms of like crime sort of heisty con man capers lots of physical and they comedy, came out yeah. lots of physical comedy they came out the same year which was like shocking to me i was like Whoa. what was in the water in 1988 oh that both of these movies came out but i do think that if the part of fish called wanda that i maybe connect with the least is sort of the ending like the final act i don't think it's bad but i'm not sure it's quite cruising on the same level mm. that the beginning was and i would say that's in comparison to dirty rotten scoundrels i think has just like one of my favorite Final Like act. resolutions to this kind of crime caper where it's sort of like, what do we want the resolution of this to be? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's the balance between how much we want people to be punished and rewarded and whatever? I think that that, that movie feels a little more successful in its final act to me. Whereas I think once Fish Calls Wanda gets to all the airport hijinks and a little bit more away from Jamie Lee Curtis manipulating people with her mm-hmm. fantastic ability to read them and deliver exactly what they want... I feel like it maybe loses that thread a little bit towards the ending. So I wouldn't come away from this movie being like, oh, perfect ending. It's just that everything else in it is so good that it doesn't bother me as much that I don't fully love the ending. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me of a, well, Rat Race, like I mentioned, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the, the, the forerunner to that, it's a mad, 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 mad world. However many times mad is in that title. It's a bunch. Um, which is also a like 
a race for the money. And it's a race. It's a race. I hope I win. I hope I win. I watched there was one summer. I was hanging (laughs) (laughs) out. I was was hanging out with my cousins in North Carolina and we must have watched Rat Race. I mean a hundred times. We watched it (laughs) so so many times. I would be concerned about how well that movie holds up i feel like there's a really good chance that that it will not yeah, but what if it does what if it holds up great? what if it does we'll see they, maybe, they yeah, play maybe who we'll let the do. dogs out when they all run down the stairs that movie was my intro to john cleese sure yeah so if, same if we're just like again assessing what was happening around the year 2000 mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. jamie lee Activia. And Activia. John Cleese. John Cleese was making people race for the money. Oh my gosh. Um, I think all these movies, though, have a little bit of like the end has to hit this like fever pitch of back and forth and kind of mm-hmm. have some like action to devolve into like literally people racing and chasing each other. And I agree that's not the like the bits that work most successfully in this. I think it's more yeah. of the like middle negotiation and Jamie Lee like adopting all these like different characters mm-hmm. as she goes. I do think that so as previously mentioned, mm-hmm. the character Ken literally drives over Otto with a cement roller <laughs> and <laughs> while he is screaming, Revenge! Revenge! <laughs> Which is I had forgotten, but that's a bit that my boyfriend Brian and I have done since I made him watch the movie at some point nice. in this last year. Revenge. Just, just like once a day, one of us will come out and go, revenge. <laughs> so so that moment, like each time I watch it, I think Otto dies. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. like what a like kind of a really dark way to end this that like it is deserved. He was so cruel, such an asshole to Ken specifically. But mm-hmm. also, like, yeah, that's pretty dark. And then we cut to the plane, and John Cleese and Jamie Lee are sitting there, and they're, like, going to make it work, maybe, mm. you know, as long as Jamie Lee wants it to work. And then out the window <laughs> is Kevin Klein's cemented face, like, <laughs> crawling onto the plane, looking to see if she's going to touch his dick. <laughs> yeah. It is such a good callback to that earlier scene where he oh first pops up outside the window, which never fails to make me laugh. I find that so funny. Where that she scene and, is hysterical. And Archie are having their little romantic tryst, and all of a sudden, he's just outside the window, and he's got like a, um, stethoscope, a stethoscope that he's trying to listen <laughs> in with. But I yes. feel like that, the way that that action at the very end kind of like reminds you what the tone is of the movie. I think mm-hmm. that's a really helpful cherry on top for me. That even mm-hmm. if like I didn't love every aspect of the whipped cream, I think what happens is at the end we end up focusing too much on George and we've already we don't care about George. We haven't cared about yeah. him for so long. So then when this like big fight happens in the um courtroom. <laughs> thank you. I was gonna say the judge room i completely (laughs) forgot the word for blindfold like two episodes ago so i deeply relate yeah so in the judge room. so yeah in the judge room where they have this big fight you know like i think like you said like we've we sort of tune out like jamie lee is the magic of this movie because Mm -hmm. we don't know how she's gonna do what she's gonna do and we know that she's very good at what she does so getting that getting to see that play out yeah that's the dessert yeah, she's she's great in that scene in the courtroom where she's like wearing all white and is like 
of course, my brother was there. It's like all she puts. She drops these like little gentle. It's not. I mean, she does have wigs. She does have a wig at one point oh in the movie, God. but it's not as if. It's not as if she does these like major like prop based transformations. It's little things mm-hmm. like she takes off her jacket, puts on a pair of glasses. Yes, and like now mm-hmm. she's like the sexy ingenue college student, like American dork, and like now she's adopted this other personality like grieving widow almost. yeah 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 all of it yeah so seeing her like slip into those modes and i really love there's an early sort of sequence of scenes in the apartment actually there's more than one where it's like different people in the apartment are just trying to trick other people in the apartment she hears ken is coming in and then she pretends she's just been showering and then she <laughs> comes out and is crying and then when he comes back in She's got the phone and is and Kevin Klein is also doing his own kind of like stupider proto version of that. Where he, yeah. she's, she's like, like, oh, he's in the bathroom. Yeah. And so then Ken goes into the bathroom and Otto's completely dressed, including suspenders, <laughs> sitting on top of a closed toilet, which he then stands up hands. when Ken enters and is like looking at him like he's crazy. And then he flushes. It's <laughs> just the funniest thing. The flush is brilliant, and no one comments on it. It's just sort of like an action that happens. <laughs> yeah, is that is yeah is that the one where they're? No, I'm thinking of another one when she's when they're having a loud conversation for Ken, but also a quiet conversation. <laughs> yes, and she says bye, bro. <laughs> that just but she they do have as for sometimes it is so silly and stupid, and sometimes it's like so smart because it's like she she, the scene we were talking about where she pretends she was in the shower and then Mm -hmm. eventually we get to the flush but she wants she has been spying on ken and seeing where he has hidden something but she doesn't want him to know that she would have had the opportunity to spy on him so she comes out and screams when she sees him which immediately makes him think oh she didn't know i was here like it's such a clever way to trick someone like and you see that the movie doesn't call too much attention to it it's totally Mm -hmm. in that other scene you mentioned ned where she she is just wearing her sort of like more like cool kid clothes or jacket and her big earrings. And then she wants to go sort of start, you know, have a little fake meet cute with Archie. And so she mm-hmm. wants to change her look. And it really is barely anything. She takes off the big hoop earring. She takes off the cool jacket. She puts on the glasses. She's still wearing the same sexy dress. But all of a sudden, like the way she's carrying mm-hmm. herself and how that dress looks, it's she's total like waifish you know, college student that's just so enamored by the famous barrister. <laughs> and, and it's – I – what really struck me about this is having watched Halloween last week, I would not have thought that the woman we watched in that movie had this performance in her, mm, right? Like, I no. I think she's great in Halloween. She fits that role really well. But that's not necessarily a, a movie where you think, oh, this is an incredible, like, character actress in the making. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she is able to do this is, like, kind of astonishing to me. Yeah. Nor, nor someone so bombastic and, like, fiery yeah. and, and just, like... When she just like, where do you move it, Ken? Just like all of her like yelling and like running around and this amazing move she does where she kind of does like a running slide into her skirt on the floor when she's like not wearing pants and then like basically like sliding into first base, but then like pulls the skirt. It's just like, it's so fiery and energetic and loud and commanding in a way that Laurie Strode is totally not at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which maybe means Laurie 
was more of a performance than I was giving it credit for. I feel like we keep talking maybe. about this, that whenever I first see someone in an early performance, I'm like, oh, that's just how they are. Mm. <laughs> but maybe that just means that she was doing a really good job of playing a very internal, mm-hmm. you know, meek little babysitter. And that that was a performance. It's a it's probably a combo. I mean, it's 10 years later. So she goes from being a 19-year-old to a 29-year-old, which I certainly changed in that realm sure. of time. But also, I, I do think... Maybe based on her comments about in that one Vanity Fair interview about like, I thought I thought I would play one of the two friends, the smart aleck or the cheerleader, mm-hmm. and they cast me as Laurie Strode. I think, yeah, you might be right on that she probably had some of this going on already and instead, you know, felt that like the role of Laurie was to be a, a shy, introspective person. So that's what she put on. Mm-hmm. But she certainly gets a lot more of a lot more room to do that kind of thing in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like one theme that is emerging from our podcast as a whole, and I don't know if this is just like the type of actors we're drawn to, but I feel like we've really had four actors who had their breakthrough like pretty young, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. Emily Blunt and Devil Wears Prada is a really big breakthrough, Dev Patel and Slumdog Millionaire. Christian Bale's kind of a different case because Empire of the Sun, he's literally a child, and then he almost has like a second mm-hmm. arc where then he's more of the young ingenue newsies little women and is trying to break out of that but I, I really think that like all four of these actors to, to varying degrees but they've all had some desire to break out of the mold that they were originally introduced as mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know what well, i don't know if there's something about you and i ned that we're like we like these actors that start young and have a big success early and then and then go on to have these sort of roller coaster careers makes for i suppose a more interesting podcast trajectory yeah, i guess so or maybe we're just getting lucky. I don't know. I mean, we haven't, I don't feel like we've been that calculating about anything so far. Who knows? I do. I you feel like you've been, been that calculating. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, come in and psychoanalyze how Ned and I are choosing <laughs> our actors and. Well, movies. I do think when you're thinking about this format, like you need somebody who's had enough of a career to have five interesting roles at mm. least. So you're automatically almost certainly looking at people who have like 20 year careers already. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like. So I I think Emily actually might have been working for the shortest amount of time. I wonder if Slumdog yeah. was before Devil. I think it was after, but they're not too far away. They're similar. Devil's yeah, they're 2005 and Slumdog's 2008. Right. They have the shorter yeah. careers, but yeah. they're they've been still both working a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have more thoughts on that at this point. I did want to mention, Ned, what you were saying about her character just being, like, so on. at this. Mm-hmm. She's not always on at 100, like Otto, but she's always on at at least 87, I feel like. <laughs> and she walks in after she's got all this information. It's the scene where Otto is, like, yeah, doing ballet with a katana. <laughs> and... She comes in and she's like, I did this, I did this, I found out this, here's all the information, and he's just been silent the whole time, and then she just yells at him, thank you, Wanda. <laughs> I was like, I have done that at babysitting, <laughs> and like yeah. in my own house. <laughs> yeah, she's got a, she's definitely like bringing a totally fun, domineering energy, but it's totally cool to see her as like, kind of the best con artist in the bunch, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. turning sure. it on, turning it off. And it's interesting because she, what's fun is I think you do get a sense of a character who does kind of bear, you know, 90% of her honest self, even when she's running a con. You know, it's like- She always goes by Wanda. 
Uh huh. She yeah. never gives a fake London. name. And she yeah. doesn't lie that much. Like, even when she's sort of trying to seduce Archie, she doesn't lie about the fact that she knows George. She kind of plays it to her mm-hmm. advantage. Like, she's naive about it. But she is careful about not getting into a situation where she has Gets told caught. people they're interacting with each other completely different stories. Yeah. Yeah. Other than the bro- lying about the brother thing. I get the impression, this is me very much like psychoanalyzing a character in a in a caper farce, but but I get the impression that she is not she is not trying to she's putting on these mannerisms but she's not trying to like essentially construct a complete fake personality 24/7 because she doesn't have the time and energy and patience for it and because mm-hmm. she also wants to just like they're all a little bit like they all live a little bit dangerously you get the sense they're all slightly risk takers mm-hmm. it's like she also wants to like you know get laid from time to time and uh mm-hmm. and like mouth off to people and uh and so she's always sort of bringing those things in but then turning this angle up or this angle down and uh angling people around her to follow certain paths yeah which is like the number one technique that all spy training facilities use like oh yeah the, the goal use yourself yeah, be play as close to the truth and yourself as you possibly can for the job oh. so sometimes the job calls for a little more stretching but I also think it's like pretty much what all of our acting teachers wanted to tell us, and some mm-hmm. are more honest than others, about saying like, know your type. And I'm like, that's not helpful language. What is helpful language is, who would people believe you to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and this also connects back to somebody like Christian Bale being like, I'm in the mold of young romantic ingenue basically and i want to decidedly change that and you have mm-hmm. jamie lee doing a similar thing where she is we keep calling her jamie lee i think she maybe she just goes by jamie i'm not sure she mm-hmm. goes by jamie lee <laughs> i guess oh, that's whoops. what we've decided i've that's been my <laughs> impulse too but jamie jamie lee jlc um Oops. she's so you know we talked about this last week so much this b-movie horror girl and you feel like there's a world where that could have been her whole career and that mm-hmm. probably dries up at the you know the time she hits 30 and then Mm -hmm. she just goes and does you know con circuits or something for the rest of her life but she makes such a in the same way that christian bale made such a specific shift with american psycho i feel like jamie lee had a very i said it again jamie lee had a very specific moment where she wanted to do something different it was sort of like okay Mm -hmm. i've done enough horror movies i i want to get into a different realm and for her it was Trading Places, Mm -hmm. 1983 comedy that was the big turning point and then sets her on this path to sort of being i feel like in the 80s and early 90s it was like hot comedic actress mm-hmm. <laughs> like her type i'm not sure if yeah if there's well, a lot of parallels for it because the the movie that she did with arnold schwarzenegger mm-hmm. yeah um, true lies is that what it's called yeah true wow. lies what it's, it's not what it's called in my head but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like similarly like so much lingerie and when i watched oh, that yeah. too i was like what like my brain was still in activia yeah and and same with trading places she's playing this like fun quirky sex worker who kind of teams up with the the two male leads and similarly it's a very sexy sexy role that yeah. was kind of really was her brand or whatever for a good decade yeah. and a half yeah yeah i've never seen trading places i haven't either caroline you you have i have yeah it's a um, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I, I, 80s comedies tend to not be, I guess, similar to 70s horror movies. 80s comedies are not always something I've, I'm drawn to and, you know, definitely are not the kind of thing that always ages great. But mm-hmm. certainly really fun Eddie Murphy performance and 
I think the performance she gives, the Jamie Lee Curtis gives in Trading Places is much more similar to the performance she gives in Fish Called Wanda than it is to what she does in Halloween. Like that really Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. feel like that is the movie that sets her up on this new path. I was reading this People Magazine article from 1984, which was tied to Trading Places coming out. And again, even back in this early days when she was maybe like 24, 25 giving this interview, she has that honest frankness that we were talking about last week. And she said, I'm not going to say I don't want to be a sex symbol. And she kind of jokes, I love the women who say I don't want to be called a sex symbol. And then you see a poster of them with their hands down their pants. I mean, come on, (laughs) sweetheart. Uh, She said, for five years, I was called an exploitation queen for doing horror films. I never took my clothes off. I never swore. I never smoked dope. But I had every women's group in the country after me. Then I do two movies in which I take my clothes off. And now I'm considered legit. You tell me where the morality is. Oh my so, god, I love her. Yeah, Spicy. and that's, you know, I think last week we were a little bit like, oh, now that she's older, she's more frank. But it's like, here she is at 24, 25 being like, well, this is how Hollywood works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, look at her parentage. Like, yeah. she mm-hmm. definitely had an in. And she had a mom who, like, yeah, was the scream queen for her gen- generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a thing in that same article. There was a there was an idea to try to do like a psycho a psycho two like a sequel with Jamie Lee Curtis in it, obviously oh. capitalizing on that family connection. And she turned that down to try to uh, pursue trading places instead. And she said, wow. "There are two things I'm trying to avoid emphasizing in my career right now: my parents and horror film films." And here they were together, a classic horror movie, a classic horror film that my mother starred in. Hmm. So yeah, trading places I think is a really decisive shift for her. And then that is the movie that. John Cleese sees to have the idea to work with her on Fish Called Wanda. And I think he kind of wrote, he kind of wrote this script with all of the leads in mind. And it seemed like had a sort of long and collaborative process with all of them, which maybe speaks to why we're feeling like this movie is using her skills so well, because it maybe was a little bit sort of tailor-made for her. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You can totally feel it in the way, as you said, Walls, the, the phenomenon of like, who will people believe you to be? Well, that can work really well if you have a great, writer who creates a part for you that oh, just yeah. sets you up i know it's like oh the dream oh my god and they just we were talking about up for success getting wet right yeah <laughs> my, my mom doesn't she listen had to us. Girl, say that she <laughs> she had jamie lee curtis had a um a funny quote where she was saying that john cleese called her up and wanted to talk and she was like oh at the time she was like oh i bet he wants to talk to my husband christopher guest because he just did this is spinal tap so she was like oh i bet he's doing one of those phone calls where he's gonna call and compliment be- me and then be like oh is christopher around but instead he was like hey do you want to do this movie that i wrote for you and Aww. she was like what and so that was kind of i mean john Cleese, awesome. i think has has grown into a little bit xenophobic old man yells at clouds in his old age which so is unfortunate but oh, i think really? john cleese of this era is he comes across much better in the late yeah. 80s than he does in the present day. God, that sure. blows. Yeah. I think of I, I think of him as being, uh, he's he's one of those like, cancel culture has gone too far. You know, we could yes. never do Monty Python now. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. And yeah. like, London is no longer a British city because it's been so overrun oh, with really? foreigners. John. Yeah. John is, wow. has kind of, I think, crossed some lines. We don't. Cut that shit out, yeah. John. want anyone to cross. What a bummer. Yeah. But to his credit in this movie- he can um, speak Russian. Yeah, he can speak <laughs> Russian. The original script, the scene where it's it's Archie and Wanda meeting up for a tryst and then 
and then he's naked and a family walks in and he has to deal with that. In the original script, that was Wanda was naked and she was the one that got walked in on. Mm, and Jamie mm-mm. Lee Curtis was like, you know, I've done a bunch of nude scenes recently. I feel like this isn't that funny. Like when a woman's naked, it's just sort of like people are going to be taken out of the story and just like ogle and objectify her. Yeah. And she was like, I think it'd be a lot funnier if you were naked. And he was like, wow, that would be a lot funnier. That's what I'm going to do. That so- is so much funnier because yeah. he has so much more status than her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So at the time, at the time, John Cleese was a much more collaborative, creative human being than it maybe (laughs) seems like he is now. Maybe he's in pain. I don't know. I'm just going to give him a charitable. Dead? No. <laughs> don't. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Maybe he's an asshole. A lot of people of are in pain and they're yeah, not assholes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Fuck them. I did notice it only stuck out to me today, but, you know, like there are technically, I can think of four female characters in this movie. And I had to kind of think about them. We have mm-hmm. Jamie Lee. I can automatically think of four men in the movie. So, you know, you're yeah. sort of like looking at that. Mm-hmm. I don't think this would pass the Bechdel test um, because the only conversation that two women have together, I believe, is Archie's wife and his daughter, Portia. And it's like they're still talking about him because he didn't get the car fixed. Okay, so it doesn't. They talk about plastic surgery briefly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not really trying to cut it slack for that. I mean, it it essentially doesn't. The very, 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 very beginning of the movie, we see two lawyers walking outside, and they're both women. They're both female barristers. Do we see any women representing actual clients at any point? No. But I was like, that was not, you know, like they could have had just two men be those extras. Mm -hmm. And at Mm -hmm. least, at least they like thought to do that in 1988. Sure. Yeah. Even the, um, I'm not sure that all the jokes about stuttering. No. I think towing that line between we're trying to be sympathetic, but we are sort of making this the butt of the joke. Yeah. I actually weirdly did think, well, maybe opinions will vary, but the like, Otto's move to throw off the scent that he is in he's clearly banging Wanda by pretending he's in love with Ken. I was like, oh, that felt like weirdly progressive in its own way. <laughs> Even though it's also a joke, like the joke, I don't know. It felt like the the butt of that joke was not gay people. Maybe other people will disagree, yeah, but yeah. It, that felt like an interesting joke for that era to me. I do think it is fun to watch him shout for everyone. Keep off of him. He's mine. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Have you ever seen anything so beautiful? Yeah, I I think that I thought that was pretty funny too, and I didn't feel like it was about like homosexuality as mm-hmm. as the punchline. I felt like it was Otto will do whatever it yes. takes mm-hmm. to stay in the game. Yeah, he'll do whatever it takes, but he's so bad at it. He's like trying to do oh, what terrible. Wanda does, where it's like I'm changing my persona <laughs> to fit the situation, but the things he does are so nonsensical like the same way that hilarious scene where it's oh like a classic drawing room farce where where, where they're Archie using and Wanda are there vintage glassware Otto comes in yeah, yeah where, exactly right. the, the scene the where they're using the vintage scene. glassware those old 1920s uh champagne glasses and the uh archie's wife and daughter come back and it's like oh everyone's hiding and everyone's here and Otto kind of jumps in to cover for it as if he's the one that's been there and had the glasses and this is going to explain away the situation. And it's like, oh, this is a very, you could make up anything. Like, oh, I'm an old friend from work or, oh, I'm an American colleague that came in to visit. And his (laughs) automatic story is, I'm with the CIA. There's a KGB 
agent on the loose. We're going door to door to inform people of the situation. You're like, you could not have picked a worse cover story in a situation where where it was so easy for you. It's so funny. I like that he's also he is. I think I think we're supposed to take this at face value that he's a former CIA sure. operative, which is really mm-hmm. funny because I like things that dunk on the CIA. You can also sort of imagine mm-hmm. him being like kicked out for incompetence or sure. <laughs> no or no morality. But I like the idea of him being basically a a former spook. I think it's important to take that at face value too because. It gives us a better reason also to understand why Jamie Lee's keeping him around. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think when you look shot. when you look at their roles in the heist, like you're never going to have superfluous people involved. Like you want to have as few people on the team as you can possibly get away with cuz again, you're splitting the money, but also, yeah. you know, it's more mouths that can talk, more risk. Mm-hmm. So, I think you have to look at like, well, who's doing what? How did this team form? And he is a really good shot and so like that's his skill is like he can handle the gun if you need Mm -hmm. like if there's going to be a surprise he's going to eliminate it right away do you know kevin klein actually did that thing with the crossbow hitting the button oh that was real on the second yeah okay when he goes through security he pops the gun out of his pocket and around the metal detector and And then reaches it again incredibly cool cool as hell yeah extremely extremely cool move all three of us who love up close magic (laughs) that's right three little nerds right here yes we just love sleight of hand we just want cool tricks and what's more go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say I, i was oh i hit my lamp oh lord um I, just little bits like that little and and david copperfield also had this it's like you just squeeze out every moment for little moments of physical interest and physical comedy and people like bumping into each other and climbing over things and little little sight gags. It's just I love movies that get loads of those in because you can make a comedy with a lot more like it's been about two minutes. Let's put in a joke. There's the joke. OK, let's keep going. And then, you know, I think it's really impressive how many like little like Watsy they have in this. Mm-hmm. I just remember that scene where he's. He's. I think he's trying to calm himself down before he goes to apologize to Archie, which obviously goes wrong. But he's like, Kevin Klein Otto sits down, he crosses his legs in a very elaborate manner, and then to get up, he just rolls over backwards <laughs> and then stands up. I think what makes Otto so memorable is there's is there there it, nothing about him makes sense. You know what I mean? Like there's not like oh, I, I get what his backstory is, or oh, this is like other characters or other people I've seen, and yet everything is done so confidently that you just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's no there's no cohesion, not to how he dresses, not to how he acts. He's like, on the one hand, this like really dumb, just like military guy, but then he wants to be reading Nietzsche and, and quoting philosophers, but he's doing that terribly, and he's very cruel, but then he's also funny, like... I don't know how they came up with this. What a, a wildly <sighs> original character archetype. Yeah. And he's probably the most of that, but they are all, I think it, what makes them fun is that they are, they're archetypes, but they are archetypes filled with contradictions. Mm-hmm. I think yes. with, with Jamie Lee Curtis, it the, the, the most, uh, one that I can think of right at the bat is that she's always using people, except she seems to be completely genuinely like unable to keep her shit together when people speak foreign languages. <laughs> So it's like she has this one, as you say, it's exact. It's you said Achilles' heel was. It's that exactly where it's like she just falls to pieces every single time, and it's funny. 
as a runner, it's funny every fucking time. It is. And I think with that, too, like, we think of her as being the brains in this whole group. Mm -hmm. But there's a moment where she's confronting Otto. She's like, you need to go apologize. And he's like, don't call me stupid. Don't call me stupid. And she's like, I looked up the things that you've been quoting, and they're not real. (laughs) And it's, again, like, nobody comments on it. Like, the movie doesn't linger on it. So I only caught it on this time, which is, like, my third or fourth time seeing the movie. But what she has basically just told us is, like, she, like, found an encyclopedia or, like, you know, pre-Google, Googled Mm -hmm. the claims he was making about morality and Nietzsche and how to live. They're, like, very basic things. She's like, Aristotle didn't live in Belgium and Buddhism is not about war. And she's like, well, guess what? I looked that up and it's not correct. (laughs) Yeah, but but the the joke is not that we were ever supposed to think that that was correct. The joke is that she had to look it up Mm -hmm. to confirm. And so we've just spent, like, an hour 15 pretty much trusting her intellectual capacities and basic common sense. And then we get this like maybe slight contradiction (laughs) or just like a moment where you're like, oh yeah, like she's kind of one of them too. It's Mm -hmm. also the character aspect that she looked it up, but she didn't say it then. She had to sit on it until this moment where she basically loses her cool. Oh yeah. Um, So she wasn't, it wasn't strategic at the time, but then she just is like, at this moment, I just have to tell you. To call That's you stupid good... would be an mm-hmm. insult to stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> great delivery. Oh, really great delivery. Lines. Favorite lines? Anything we want to shout out? Oh, my God. I know there's loads. I do want to shout out the little Easter egg that John Cleese's character, Archie Leach, is a reference to Cary Grant's birth name is Archibald Leach. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's a little fun fact. And if we really want to stretch and extend a little bit further. Please. So Jamie Lee's dad is Tony Curtis. In Some Like It Hot, there's a whole subplot where Tony Curtis is pretending to be a character that is very much modeled on and sort of like poking fun at Cary Grant and had then Mm. go on to work with Cary Grant. Mm. So it's like her dad has these connections to old Hollywood and Cary Grant, and then she's in a movie with a little... Whoa. Now I feel like I'm a YouTube channel doing... Six degrees of... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I only had five ideas, but I needed the title to be 15, so I'm really going to stretch those (laughs) out. Illuminati. Um, I have a couple quotes written Uh down. Good, good. Uh, very early on, Kevin Klein's trying to get her going, and she's like, no Italian. <laughs> and that you just have to say that. When they go and they find the safe where the diamonds are supposed to be, and then they're not there, and you think they're both going to explode, but Otto says, okay, okay, and then screams <laughs> disappointing and like stands <laughs> up. <laughs> Which is, so this is a famous moment from that, you know that, um, Hercules TV show with Kevin Sorbo no. to bring up another person that is now deeply problematic. That it's like the the 90s. It was like the yeah. uh, the the sister series to Xena. Oh no, Xena was the sister okay. series to it. Whatever. There's a very famous. I think it's like an outtake where he just screams disappointed, and people have always <gasps> made fun of him for doing that. And he was like, "Well, I was trying to do a fish called Wanda reference." So I don't know if that's true oh, or if he said that in God. retrospect to make himself not look embarrassed but it is a very similar delivery so that that moment in a fish called wanda has led to many years later a a complicated cycle of memes and i love that that's incredible yeah i always thought that was a stupid mistake i I, i've seen that clip and i thought it was it was it was contextualized for me they said he saw his uh emotion instruction on the script and he thought it was a line so he just reads disappointed (laughs) 
He goes, disappointed. <laughs> but it does make a little more real world sense. It's a fish called Wanda. A little bit less funny, but uh, that, yeah, that the, uh, the other story is much funnier, but my commitment to the truth means I must share. But it is a wow. funny choice of Kevin Klein's uh, or it's funny moment of the script. And the oh, reading yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah. Well, it's like that Mercury that our teacher, Mary Poole, was always talking about. Okay, I don't know. Switching back and forth. That, that, like, you use it all the time for Shakespeare, also for Chekhov, but you have to go from one extreme emotion to another in a Mm. flash. And so, okay, okay, disappointed. Like, and, (laughs) and, like, you have to, another Shakespeare teacher talked about it. As a thing where there, in a lot of cases, you're bringing the character to you, like that's how you make a role yours and believable. But when you're doing something that's so stylized, you have to go to the character. Mm-hmm. So like it, because his character doesn't work if you try to tame him down. Yeah, like no. he he just stops working. It does it all of the contradictions that you mentioned, all of the like completely incongruent bits that we see about him do not work unless he is at a hundred all the time that's the only way it stays together yeah and that includes when he is literally just listing italian cheeses (laughs) (laughs) instead of speaking italian he's just parmigiano (laughs) he's just listing cheeses um there's also Uh, a moment where that's a really stupid line that I enjoyed. Say it again. It's, it's when she she like pulls open her shirt and it goes ah le due cupola grande della cattedrale di Milano. The the like pear that's as big as the cathedral. I think he's basically saying yeah the two grand cupolas of the cathedral de Milano. <laughs> it's just incredibly stupid and funny. <laughs> oh my god, I love him. Yeah. Wow. There's also a moment where he speaks in third person. Otto doesn't like it. Otto doesn't approve. <laughs> yeah. like, again, like, that's not a thing he's been doing yeah. this whole movie. He just does it in this one moment, but I believe it. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really have, like, here is the running gag. It's like every gag is a new gag about him. Except for the running gag yes. where he drives on the wrong side of the street and hits someone and goes, asshole! <laughs> yeah. Which is and hysterical. don't call me stupid. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah you're right. Don't call, don't me, call stupid. me stupid. What did you guys think of, um, like, the little subplot with Ken, Michael Palin's character, and, like, oh. the dog killing and the... I, I think it's, like, exquisitely acted, and I think it's absolutely heartbreaking. I do think they were like, we have to give Ken something to yes. do. Mm-hmm. It's It does feel like, like, let's bring in Michael Palin, and, like, what is Michael Palin really good at? This, like grotesque pathos of like <laughs> like crying over the dog it is definitely like a b plot and in the way in which like sometimes in a tv show you'll have your a plot which is like operating at a certain level of like real like emotional realism and then the b plot will be just like a few mm. notches clownier mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's so much of him like wearing like these ridiculous costumes and like just sort of whimpering to himself with the like cartoonish flattened looney tunes dog <laughs> Um, you know, like having a sniper rifle and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He's going to shoot her. And then he's, he's going to shoot out a block so that a gigantic like piece of masonry of concrete is going to fall on her. And then it just squishes the dog. It's all, it's not quite as funny to me as the shit everyone Mm -hmm. else is doing because it is just a little bit more broad, but yeah, 
It also feels more in the way that auto never feels repetitive. It's like a new thing every time. That's like you kind of mm. get, okay, the game is he's going to kill a do- try There's to kill a lady and kill dogs. a dog each time. Yeah, it doesn't quite right. feel like it escalates or subverts that as much as I think. Comedy it could. comes in threes. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then also, I have to say that scene where he gets tortured. I, like, find that very upsetting. I, like, actually kind of don't like watching that scene where Otto torches, uh, yeah. tortures Ken. I almost fast-forwarded very it, but then I was like, that's not, like, bearing witness. So. And, <laughs> <laughs> witness the torture. Apparently, it was even harsher in the original cut because they said audiences didn't like it, so they cut it back more. But oh I was like, whoa, God. what was the original cut like? Because oh, I no. find that... Almost, I mean, you know, the movie is operating in that black comedy tone. It's a fine line to walk. I feel like it's not mm-hmm. miles away from the line, but it's maybe like five steps further than I want it to be. It's the only time they go that close to the line. Yeah. And they're doing it to the most vulnerable character. And they're doing it to the really the only character with a disability that mm-hmm. is like relatively prevalent you know what i mean like it's like a real life issue that can be really difficult yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and i'm like that's the spot where you go dark like go dark right. with auto <laughs> and apparently um michael palin's dad had a really bad stutter and so i don't know that how that factors into all of this but i think it just in general especially on this rewatch just all the moments of jamie lee curtis's subtle hilarious manipulation rang so much more rewarding and funny to me than than some of the broader torture mm-hmm. whatever uh elements of the movie i think that stuff almost feels more timeless because it is so subtle mm-hmm. yeah and it's where a lot of the like really good acting bits happen mm-hmm. yeah her little yeah. line where she is first kind of flirting with archie and he's like au revoir and she goes oh you speak french and kind of like <laughs> Like, just does this little, like, she's in love face and then walks yeah. away. And you're like, wow, the levels of manipulation she is going through in this moment to play this, like, oh, I'm just this young girl who's yeah. so Wooning. won over by this. Yeah. Because it does feel like she is kind of, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the ending and the ending being played straight. And the music is very aggressively 80s romantic in a way that <laughs> I can't tell if that is a joke or not. But it does feel like uh. her performance is itself kind of a, when she is playing Archie in particular, it does feel like it is a little bit of a genre satire of these Mm -hmm. like overwhelmingly saccharine romantic comedies. The way that she, particularly in the early parts of her relationship, when just, yeah, everything, everything he says, and she's just like, wow, wow, I'll treasure this. There are these (laughs) like long lingering looks and the music plays all gently and... I, I can't exactly tell what level the composer was on, but um, but mm-hmm. I think that performance-wise, it really feels like like she is kind of specifically skewering a genre of romantic ingenue like mm-hmm. performance, which is so fun because you see her in these like tearing into Ken or tearing into Otto, and we 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 see that she has a much more sort of like abrasive side to her, and yet she just like becomes this sort of simpering, melting. Like gazing longly, longingly at John Cleese when he's at his dopiest, it it does feel like a she's taking a certain style to task. Yeah, and then it's almost even a nice contrast to the the infamous Russian speaking scene we keep talking about. But mm-hmm. at the end of that, like button of that, she's like, 
hey, Archie, are you rich? And the way she says it, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like an act. That feels mm-hmm. she's like, that feels like a genuine moment where Wanda, the real Wanda, is like, hey, maybe if this guy, like, clearly I want to be rich and be with a rich person. Mm-hmm. Maybe if this guy was rich, we can make it work. Yes. And then when he's like, no, I'm not, she's like, okay. And she's not fully disappointed and it doesn't feel like she's going to drop the act, but that maybe is like her most authentic romantic self. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's another little moment that really stands out to me. Yeah, good pick. Yeah, I love that moment. I think that's where I'm like, sh- maybe she'll do a couple months with him in Brazil. Yes. Like, depending on how the divorce goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically the end credits tell us they were oh, together yeah. forever and had 17 kids, but I definitely <laughs> am with your reading walls that this is going to last like yeah. two months tops and then she's yeah. off to her next adventure and, and maybe Archie will be the better for having had the experience as well. Yeah. And I think that all ties in with what Ned was saying that like, they are playing with genre, and because I didn't see it in 1988, I can't really tell how much. Mm-hmm. And, like, how much of it is, like, that's John Cleese playing, like, the leading man? And how mm-hmm. much is it, that's John Cleese playing the leading man, and he wants you to laugh? Yeah. And I think, I, I kind of like that I... I'm left wondering like I think it makes it more interesting for it to not for them to not be winking at me in the audience Mm -hmm. like I I think it's actually a credit to their acting performances that I'm like no I fully like believe them in this that this is like the most romantic thing that's ever happened to him and that she's creating that for him Mm -hmm. but then on the outside I'm like this is genius writing this is so fucking funny Mm mm-hmm I yeah. think this is an incredible satire, but but maybe it's a little real. Mm-hmm. Other last looks, last thoughts, Fish Called Wanda. They did try to make a, I've never seen it, but they tried to make like essentially a spiritual sequel where they all came together. Oh, I've heard about this. It is called what? Something Fierce Creatures. Fierce yeah, Creatures. Yeah, Fierce Creatures. And I, I've never seen it, like I said, although, I, and I think... Maybe that's the right choice. It does not seem like it was well received. Although I do think it has not hurt Fish Called Wanda's place in the sort of comedy canon. Mm-hmm. It's with the original cast? It's all the same actors, and I don't believe it's the same characters. It's sort of like, let's all get together and do another comedy. So it's like a spiritual sequel, not a okay. legitimate sequel. Let's I believe. go back to camp, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We liked hanging out on set. I mean, <sighs> that's the dream. I don't care how good the movie is. If I can just keep making work with people I like making work with. True. Yeah, I, I remember specifically this quote from this Vanity Fair interview where uh, she says, John Cleese, this is the call that you were referencing, Caroline, where she thought mm-hmm. he wanted to talk to Chris Guest and then she he wanted to talk to her. She says, he said, look, I've written this part for you. We're all going to go to London. We're going to make it. It's going to be wildly successful. You'll have a great time. And we're all going to make some money. Oh and my she God. says, Damn. and everything he said came to came be. true. That's nuts. Yeah. They all got big awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did so well. It's got like a 95%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Still. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's why she's now... Feeling like, I don't want to open the can of worms in an interview of criticizing aspects of Fish Called Wanda. I'll just right. let it be this this stellar success that it was. I don't have to do Activia anymore. Bring me the money. <laughs> yeah. It really just does seem like one of those classic, like, oh, they don't make movies like this today. I think yeah. I think there's, there's a certain messiness to it that in a studio system, a studio comedy would just be sanded off more and would be broader and mm-hmm. less funny mm-hmm. and less weird. Yeah. And there, it does feel like this was such a special 
situation where all the all the pieces aligned as they were kind of meant to. Totally. Well, and John Cleese co-wrote it with the man who mm-hmm. directed it. Yes. And this was his final movie. He retired yeah. after this and was like, I'm going to go. I think it's pronounced Crichton. 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 I think hmm. Crichton. I think he was 77 when they made it. It says on Wikipedia mm-hmm. that wow. John, because of because of his age, um, insurance insisted that they have a second director. And they were like, oh, we can't what? afford that. So John Cleese was like, I'm the second director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you better not get sick because I don't know how to direct. <laughs> It, the whole thing sounds like this was super collaborative. Uh, Cleese and Crichton spent like two and a half years writing the script together. Then on set, they were even kind of, I think they had a rehearsal period and where they then reworked the script more. And then on set, they were kind of like, yeah, we're all directing it. Like it had, I do think it had a little bit of that summer camp vibe mm-hmm. of we're all in this together. We're all doing it. And yeah, maybe that's sort of what, what leads to that specialness. Yeah. It's a fun one. Yeah. So we're going to go from here forward to, I actually didn't look up the year, but to the 90s, to the movie that Wallace Trimble describes as so much lingerie. <laughs> if you Google, I was doing some, I was trying to find a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis to put as our header photo on Twitter. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, maybe something from True Lies. If you search no. Jamie Curtis, True Lies, I swear to God, you have to scroll like four pages in before you get anything that's not just a photo of her in her underwear from the strip tease scene. It is wild how much that has dominated the internet's understanding of what true lies is. Yes. Well, it's clearly captivated the the minds and boners of uh, millions of American action movie fans, (laughs) potentially of a certain demographic. Don't touch it. No touching. No touching. So, um, yes, it's True Lies. Yes, that is its title. 1994. I've just looked it up. 1994 is True Lies. I feel like I saw it on TV a bajillion times in high school, totally. but maybe never once all the way through. I haven't seen it since then. IDK, how it's going to hold up. I think we might have some comments. <laughs> um, hopefully we'll have a good time. That is going to be our next film. But for now, we're going to wave goodbye to A Fish Called Wanda and goodbye and a deep thank you to Walls for coming on our show. Walls, you want to plug anything at this uh, stage of the game? How can people yeah, find Walls, you? Yeah, Walls, where can our people, yeah, where well, can our listeners find you? I would I would first like to plug the black and white dress with pink mohair sweater that Jamie Lee Curtis yes. wears for their, like, weekend away. I love those little, um, like, coats or sweaters or whatever that sort of, like, hit you right below the bust. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, bring it's that like style a, it's back. It's like a cropped Yeah, sweater. a crop a crop sweater. I like that style. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the pink mohair specifically I'd like to give a shout out to. So yes, as you have mentioned, I also have a podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, you should be able to find it. I have a question with Rachel and Walls. You can find me on Instagram at Honeybell Vintage or at Trimblenator. It's like Arnold, the Terminator. <laughs> Trimblenator. <laughs> and oh, and if you have any photography needs, my website is wallslikebuildings.com. And I have a question. It's such a fun listen. It's you and our friend Rachel Kenny just sort of chatting about 
your lives, sort of what's going on in America and the world. They're like 30 minutes, super fun, like little breezy weekly listen. So I would highly recommend if you've enjoyed Walls on the show, as I hope you did, go and check out her her wonderful show as well. Oh, thank you. A really lovely, a really lovely balance of getting into getting into the real shit and uh, having a having a good time sometime. And uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great mm-hmm. pod. So thanks. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like you know, like if we could all like have coffee and cookies right now, what would yes. we talk yes. about? And if we want to hear the ongoing saga of Rachel and her uh, doorman and the sort of awkward social situations they have sometimes occasionally <laughs> found themselves in, <laughs> then uh, go go wow, look it up. People. Yes, come on over. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Thank you. So, so, that. <laughs> Yep, I'm keep- this is the quality audio you can get on. I have a question <laughs> with Rachel and Walls. I'm keeping it in, Walls. I'm I'm keeping it in. No, you said you would cut it. <laughs> I'll, make that, I'll make that decision in place. Look how sad I am. I'm crying. This is, our lo- this is your James Lee Curtis. <laughs> I just buy it. Disappointed. Oh Listen, I love a heist. I talk about this on my own podcast all the time. I love a heist so so much i cannot believe that i have gotten to talk about this film on two completely separate podcasts in a seven year span like dreams make it three for three dreams made yeah i you're both a delight i love your show so much i'm so happy that you two are doing this like it's truly a highlight every week oh thanks boo thanks walls all right i'm gonna play the music and take us out Roll Calling is produced and recorded by us, Caroline Sita and Ned Baker. Our theme music was created by Patrick Buddy, and our logo was designed by Nick Wansersky. You can follow us on Twitter at Roll Calling and email us at rollcalling at gmail.com. That's Roll, R-O-L-E. You can also rate and review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Next week, we'll be back for sex, explosions, so much lingerie, and true lies. Until then... Otto doesn't approve. Otto might get jealous.